Chapter Nine, Part One of *The Nightland* by William Hope Hodgson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. *The Nightland*, Chapter Nine, *The Dark Pyramid*, Part One. Now, in two hours more, I was come clear down out of the gorge and stood in that country, and for all that, I did feel fresh, troubled, and bewildered. Yet was I rejoiceful, as you may believe, in the surprising light and splendor of that sudden land. And before that I had come down out of the great gorge, I had stood high within the mouth thereof, and looked well out over the mighty country. And I counted seven and twenty great volcanoes, and this doth not take heed of two monstrous ranges of fire-hills that burned afar off, something unto my right neither doth it take account of an hundred thousand lesser places of fire. And truly it did seem a very land of fire and water, for there was a small fire-hill stood within a sea, as it did seem no more than a little mile from that place where I did stand, and maybe a score to the back of it, spread all about. And here shall I do proper to tell concerning the seas. For there were of these that I did count at that time, three that were small, and a mighty sea that went onward forever into the red light of the fire-hills, so that it was gone utterly out of my sight, and did show no ending. And there rose up out of the seas islands, and on the islands volcanoes. But in other parts the fire-hills did come upward straightly from the sea. And over the near sea, as it did seem, there lay a plentitude of steam, as that the sea did boil at whiles and in diverse places. And there did seem to me, as it were within the red atmosphere of that place, as that there were a muttering thunder, low and constant, shaking the air, now from that distance and now from this, and this did I judge to be the voices of the fire-hills, speaking with the fire that lived in them. And you shall conceive how utter new was all this unto me, for there was in that country a constant voice of the energy of life so that the world-noise of this our age was even there again, and with a keen and undoubted apparentness, and the more so some ways than now. And here shall I set down more closely the things that were ready to my gaze. And first, that it did much attract me, there was a huge and blackened mountain unto the left of the mouth of the gorge, and the mountain did go upward into the night maybe fifteen and maybe twenty miles and there was a mighty peaked volcano that grew out from the side of the mountain so high up as five miles, as I did guess that height. And this was upon the far side. And above this there was a second, maybe nine or ten great miles up in the blackness of the night that hung afar upward. And as that this were not great wonder enough, there did burn and glow two other mighty fire-hills at an utter height, upon the left crest of that black mountain and these were upward so monstrous away, as that they did seem to make strange and smouldering suns within the night. And truly, as you shall perceive, this was a wondrous thing. And below these upward fire-hills there rose up from the earth vast mountains of ash and burned stuff, that had been cast forth by these perched volcanoes, and had poured downward unto the earth throughout eternity and so build grey and sombre monuments unto the dreadful glory of time. And to my right there was always sea and sea and the red blazing of the fire-hills, 
but unto my left there were mighty forests, and there rose upward here and in that place as that they were beyond the great woods monstrous fire-hills. And so do you take from me something of that first impressing upon my brain and sense. And after that I had come down out of the mouth of the great gorge, as I did tell a little while gone, I came upon a pause, for surely which way was the way proper into my search? And I looked about for a great while, and afterward did climb back into the gorge, and called myself foolish, that I had not thought to map my way ere I came down. And when I was come up into the gorge again, lo, I saw that there was but one way that I should go. For truly, as I have said, there was only the seas unto my right, but unto the left, where the shores did meet the seas, there seemed, so far as mine eyes did tell to me, a clear way for a space. And mayhap, when I had come so far, I should even find a further way to go forward. And so did I descend again unto the country of the seas, as I did ever call that red shining country of water and fire. And by, that I was come again from the height of the gorge, it was four and twenty hours since that I did last sleep, so that I was fain that I should put into some nook and come to slumber, as you shall well believe. And I found me a neat and proper place, where three great trees grew about a little basin of rock that was very dry and warm. And here, after that I had eat three of the tablets and drunk some of the water, the while that my belly did yearn, as ever, for proper eating stuff, I made my bed in the little basin of the rock, and lay me down, and did begin to think a while upon Nani, but was gone over to sleep before that I was aware. And lo, I was suddenly awake, and did find that I swam in a hot water, and a mercy, I did think, was it that I was not drowned as I did sleep, and I got me to my feet, and the basin was full of water, hot and steaming, and pungent to the taste, as well I did know. And I perceived now that the water poured in from a smooth slit upon the far side, and it come with a strange gurgling and bubbling, so that I conceived some deep well to boil, and thus to drive upward this water into the basin, and glad was I that it did not boil as it came forth. And surely, now that I was upon the dry land, and did consider, I did quickly suppose that the water had poured forth at seasons into the basin for an eternity of time, and afterward did go back by fissures in the bottom of the basin, and this to happen, as I soon did find, a little beyond the length of every hour, and indeed the basin to empty slow, as I did watch. Now, being much wetted, I stripped off mine armor, having before this dipped out mine effects from the hot pool, and so did come down to the naked flesh, and I found a place where the rock was hot, and here I did spread my garments. And whilst that they came to dryness, I get me into the hot pool, and had a very pleasant bathing, and did have no great fear of any dangerous thing. For as it did seem, I had surely left all such behind within the nightlands. Yet did I have the discos upon the pool-edge to my hand, for I had no proper assurance in this matter. Yet, as it did prove, there were many monstrous beasts in that country, but never did I feel the nearness and horrid power of any evil force. For these, as I do conceive, were congregate and gathered about the mighty pyramid, being attracted thereto by the great spiritual essence of so wondrous a multitude of humans gotten so close in one spot, 
even as sharks do come after the ship that hath bullocks within. Yet how that the evil powers were given entrance unto the state of our life, I have no sure knowing, yet have I put forward certain thoughts on this matter in an earlier place. And more than such thinkings is surely vanity, for there is no certainty in my reasoning concerning the thing. Now presently was my clothing dry, yet before this I had come out from that bath which truly was nigh all gone backward into the earth. And I dressed me again and got my armour upon me, and afterward was I in a more lightsome state of mind, and yet very ready to come again unto my sleep. And this I did, and had six hours more beside the pool, and once was wakened somewhat by the gruntling and bubbling noise of the water, that was made as the pool did fill time and again. And when the six hours were gone, I waked very well fitted in my senses and feelings to go forward again through that red-lighted country, and this I did, after that I had eat and drunk. Now all that day I went forward at a great pace, and the nameless woods were unto my left, and the shores of the seas unto my right. And oft did I find that the trees grew even into the water, so that oft did I go forward among the trees, and a very wonderful thing was this to me, that never had known before in all my life, until I was come into that country, how that a glad and wild mystery doth live among forest trees. For there was no such strange wildness among the groves of the underground fields, though a solemn beauty in plenty. And the scent of the woods was sweet unto my spirit, as you shall what. Now all the time that I did go, there was the shore unto my right, but alway to my left, and around me oft-times, as I did say, the great forests. And as I did go, lo, there was life in all those darksome woods, and living eyes did peer out odd wiles upon me, and afterward go backward into the dark, so that I wotted not whether to fear, or to have no heed of trouble. Yet naught did come anigh to me to make any hurt. And thrice in that day did I come to little fire-hills that burnt redly, and sent out fire and noise, so that I heard their trouble each time through the forest, before that I was come to them. And about each was there a deadness and desolation, where the fire had killed the big trees. Yet, as I did observe, the quick life of little plants did grow more nigh, as that they were born and lived between the times of the fire-bursts. And this I do take it that you perceive." And in that one day I passed thirty and seven boiling springs. But whether they boiled truly, I do have no knowledge, only that they sent out a great steam oft-times, and some did make a strong roaring noise, so that to hear them afar off in the forests was to think odd times that some wild beast roared strangely. Now when the eighteenth hour was come, I sat me down, as I had done upon the sixth and twelfth hours, and eat two of the tablets, and drank some of the water, which here did fizz very rich and quick. And afterward I laid down to my slumber, for I was greatly wearied. And I had chosen a place against a great rock, which was so that no creature might come upon me from behind. And I came easy upon sleep but yet I did fix it upon me that I slumber only with the body, for I did know by the shining of the eyes in the darksome woods that strange creatures abode in the mighty forests. And ere I was gone over to sleep, I thought upon Nani, as I had done much all that day, 
as though her spirit did hover near unto mine, and did strive pitiful to speak with me. And this I set out to you, that you shall know how it did seem unto me in my thoughts and fancyings. And as I lay there, I put a blessing upon her, and a determination into my heart that I make a more desperate speed of my going, if that might be, so that I come the sooner to that strange and unknown place in the dead world, where did stand the lesser refuge. And I was then asleep in a moment. And lo, sudden I was awake, and lovely was the brightness of that country, that did show me in a moment my danger, and did not keep me suspend in fearful doubt, as did the grey darkness and strange shadows and lights of the nightland. For I saw, on the instant that I got me to mine elbow, how that certain things did crouch within the borders of the trees, no more than a score paces off. And I perceived in a moment that my spirit had been given knowledge, and had wakened me. And I stared, the while that I did grip the discos, and I saw that there were six squat men that were humped at the neck and shoulder, and they did crouch all there in a row, and were something hid by the shadows. And I perceived that they watched me, and the eyes of the men did shine like the eyes of beasts, and so shall you know somewhat of the strange terror that came upon me. Yet had I the discos and mine armor, and though my heart did shake a little, yet was my spirit assured to conquer. Now I get me to my feet, and have the discos ready within my hand. And behold, I could not see the humped men, for they were gone from that place. Yet never did I see them go, though I had kept my gaze very steadfast upon that part where they did hide. And, as you shall understand, I was near ready to believe that there had been nothing there within the border of the wood. Yet truly I knew that the men with the humps had been there, as I had seen. Now I looked presently, and found that I had slept five hours, and I eat two of the tablets as I did stand there watchful, and afterward drank some of the water, and so was ready to go forward again, for I was grown very anxious to be gone from that place, and did have no knowledge but that those strangely humped men were but a little way off among the trees, and might come upon me in a moment, or further that they did go to call an army of other humped men to my destruction. And after that I was ready, and had my gear secure upon me, I set off at a great stride, and did hold the discos very handy, and looked this way and looked that way, and all the while made onward with speed. For truly I was grown so lean and hard, that it did seem to me that I had power to outpace those men or aught else of their kind. And all that day through thirty great hours did I go forward at that stride, and did always watch and at every sixth hour I eat two of the tablets and drank a little of the water and went onward again. And so did I hope that I was lost from those humped men. Yet, though I did hope, my faith was not this wise. For twice and thrice did it come to me that there went things through the woods to my left all that day, and did keep always to a level with my speed, yet were always hid. And, as you shall believe, this did be a very shaking thing to my heart, and did make my hope of but little account. Now, because that I had no faith to company my hope, I was not easy to have slumber, until that I was come to a place proper and safe. And so, as I have told, I went onward through thirty great hours, 
and in truth in all that while I did find nowhere that did seem to fit my need. And lo, about the end of the thirtieth hour I perceived that there was water ahead, besides the water of the sea that was ever to my right. And I thought, maybe, that the sea did go inward at that part of the land. But it was otherwise. For when I was gotten to that place I found that a river came into the sea and did come out of all the country that lay unto my left. And in the mouth of this river there was a small island. And surely I did look across to the island and think it a refuge from the humped men that did surely play dog upon my going. Yet truly this was but an idle thought, and my need was that I should come to some way to cross over the river, that I go forward beside the great sea which did stretch onward as it did seem forever before me upon the far side. And I knew not how to go across, for I had no power to swim and had I swum, there were surely monsters in that great and warm flowing river, as you shall believe. And I went upward of the river-bank that I might come to some place where the river did narrow, and surely I had been like to walk a mighty distance to this purpose, but that I came soon to a second river that did enter the first, not a mile above the shore of the sea, so that, as you do perceive, there was the sea to one side of me, and this second river unto the other, and the first river before me. And thus was I sorely perplexed, as any had been truly that was in a like trouble. Yet, as it did chance, the need to go forward and the danger of the humped men put wit into me, so that I looked about for a tree that was fallen. And there were many, yet great, so that I was much wearied and something strained of the spirit, before that I got two little trees unto the water. Now when this was done I made me a rough pole of a young tree-plant, and afterward I lashed the two trees together with my belts and straps, and so had somewhat of a raft. And you shall picture that all the time as I did go about this business I was very heedful lest the humped men should come upon me, ere that I was gone free upon the water. And this constant heeding did double the labor of my work, as you shall perceive, yet in the end it was done and I was ready to adventure over the river. And so I did push off with the pole, and I pushed and paddled maybe the half of an hour, for indeed it was all a clumsy contriving, and mayhap I the more so in my labors. Yet presently I was come so far over that I drew nigh to the island, and it did seem a wise and proper thing that I should have my slumber there, and afterward go onward to the farther shore. And this I did, and after that I had eaten drunk as ever, I lay down to sleep. And by this time it was three and thirty hours since last I did slumber, so that I was bitterly awearied. And I had a great and restful sleep, for truly the island did seem a very safe place. And in verity I came to no harm, though I was as a dead man for nine great hours, and so shall you perceive my weariness. And when I was come proper awake, I eat two of the tablets and drank some of the water, and afterward made an end of my voyage, and then did take back my belts and straps from binding the trees, and so forward again upon my way, and no more fearful of the humped men. For surely I did think I had left them all upon the far shore of the river, though afterward I minded me that they might grow likewise upon the two sides but yet was I only discovered by those upon the one, as you do know. 
and all that day I went very swift, and passed many strange matters, and did coast upon wonders oft. And at the sixth and the twelfth hours did I eat and drink, as ever, and between the eighth and the fourteenth hours did I come past two mighty fire-hills that made all the country to tremble with their noise. And four times did monstrous creatures pass by me, but I was swift hid and came to no harm. And oft as I did go were my thoughts upon the dear maid that I journeyed to save from destruction. Yet, as you must see, always were my thinkings brought sharply unto my going, so that scarce was I ever set off to ponder upon Nani, but that there came some danger or wonder to give me heed to my way. And because of this, as you have learned, I was more put to plan free of the instant trouble and peril of my way through all that mighty journey than to have quiet chance for thoughts of love unto mine own. Yet truly was not my journey one whole thought of love unto Nani? And that peril made oft dumb my brain was but the truer song unto my maid. And at times I was among trees, but oft did I go past unnumbered boiling springs and small fire-hills, and oft was the air full of the noise of the little fire-hills and the roar of the boiling springs, but there came no harm unto me. And a thousand times did I perceive things that had life, and I made a very cautious way, though with a great speed and cleverness of going that made my heart glad. And oft did I come to parts where a great life held the trees, and green stuff did flourish exceedingly and the air rich and full and wondrous sweet, so that I was fain to think how that in some far-off time it might be that our children's children should come down unto this country, when the upper valley of the nightland was grown to an utter chill and lacking of air, and here build them a new refuge, if, indeed, any should come clear of the evil forces and the monsters that did live about the mighty pyramid in the nightland. Yet how should they come clear of those things, so that this is, as you do perceive, no more than a thought that did rise vaguely in me? And yet again, who shall say what may be? And onward I did pass, and I do mind me how that I saw the lower fires of that country do burn very fierce. And this I set to the richness of the air, but yet with no surety of knowledge and do but tell the same that you shall see the oddments of thought that went oft across my brain, and so have so much knowledge as I concerning this and that. Now a little before the eighteenth hour was come, I came out from among the trees, and the sea was downward of a great cliff unto my right, for I had gone upward for a long and weary hour. And I did see now a thing that made me to be cautious, and yet that did hold my heart to go swiftly to perceive the thing for it was very strange. And I went forward quickly, yet with a wise care, and so was come presently more nigh, and I perceived that the thing was in part a high rock, very tall and pointed, and maybe an hundred feet high, but afterward I did find it to be more. And there was a monstrous great thing upon the top of the rock that did seem very strange, and I stopped and looked, and afterward went forward again and so for a time, until that I was but a little way off. And now I saw that there did seem to be a mighty long rock laid across the topmost part of the upstanding rock, and yet had a very strange and shapely appearance, 
and did seem upon the under part to be as that I looked before upon it. And upon the upper part there grew trees and green things, even as these did grow upon odd ledges of the upstanding rock. Yet, for the most part, the rock was very stark, as that a blast had blown upon it and made it bare. Now when I looked for a while I bethought me that this should be a safe and proper place for my slumber, if that I had power to come safe to the top. And when I had thought this thing I began at once to climb up the rock, and I found that the rock was very high, so that in a while I was come a great way off the earth, and yet was not come to the top of the rock. And because that I was awearied I looked about for a safe place to mine hand, and lo, there was a shelf of the rock very nigh, that went inward a little to the side. And I gat me to this ledge, and did eat and drink, and presently I slept, and scarce had thought of Nani in the moment of my slumbering, for a great weariness was upon me, the which I do think to have come by reason that I was not yet proper rested from the task of the day that was gone before that one. End of chapter 9, part 1